Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. It is your favorite podcast, Jamar Cotrera, with your favorite podcast, Making a Cut. As always, you know where you can find me. My link is going to be on my Facebook, so you can click it there. Also, anywhere that you get your podcast, you can find me, especially on the Anchor app, anchor.fm, and Spotify. And, you know, I say it all the time. Spotify, you can go there and click, follow, and it'll let you know when the next episode is going to be available. It's going to alert you. It's going to be there. Thank you for joining me again for another episode of Sports Sundays. Got a fun show today. Got some exciting news. Got some fun news. Uh, Before I jump off into that, I talked to you a little bit last week about uh, a special guest. And I spoke to our special guest who wants to do a special episode with me. Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to be laughing at it a lot. Some people are going to get butt hurt about it, but it's okay. It is what it is. Uh, But it's going to be a very enjoyable and uh, good special guest appearance good episode so you'll like it we're looking at doing it hopefully sometime this week uh the special guest had a wedding to tend to to go and dance at and party at so uh we'll 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 get with him this week and see what what days we're gonna work it out might not be on the sports sunday might be sometime during the week so be looking out for it so we're gonna be talking a little lsu football we're gonna be talking a little college football and we're gonna be talking a little bit of saints here and i'm gonna hit on all three of those today so uh you know just strap in Hang tight. Let's go with it, right? Starting off really quickly with LSU. So, LSU has the game against Arkansas. And they win that, if they win that game, they're in line to take the SEC West title with an opportunity to be in Atlanta playing for the SEC title. And it's going to be against Georgia, by the way. Uh, also, along with that, for the first time in a long time, LSU fans actually have to root for and pull for Alabama. Alabama came through for us too. So LSU did their job. Bama did their job for us. And, and so congratulations. LSU is your 2022 SEC West champions. Who would have thought that would have happened the first year with Brian Kelly? Nobody saw that happening. I definitely didn't. I thought it was going to be a few years at best. Uh, you know, the guy's a great coach. Everywhere he went was a winner. Did what he can do with the talent that he had there. And I will say this. This will be his least talented LSU team that he'll have as a coach here, which I can say pretty confidently that it's still probably more talented than any team he had at Cincinnati or Notre Dame. So that's huge. Talking about the LSU game here, uh, luckily I didn't get to watch this. The, The line on it was three points. Vegas saw something and knew something. You have those elements of it being an 11 o'clock game. Daytime game for LSU, which is never really good. You were kind of hoping it would be different with uh, Brian Kelly being there. Uh, a letdown game, trap game, so to speak, right after the upset in Bama. So you have that emotional high, and then you got to come down and play. And, of course, you have the weather elements up there. I mean, not only was it freezing cold up there, but if you saw the highlights on it, the people there at Arkansas, for some reason, thought uh, we should water the field and see if that would help the freezing temperatures on the field. So they had to go back over there and scrape that ice off of there and what they did too. I they must have, you know they must have gone through common core math too, because something just, there just didn't add up, didn't make sense for common sense people whatsoever. So I'm still as you hear me stumbling over my words here trying to figure out what in the world would make you think to do that. But let's talk about this game. Again, like I said, uh the spread was only three. And when you look at it, when you look at the history of this game between LSU and Arkansas, 
it tends to be a closer game. You don't have that many blowouts on either side uh, if you go back and look through history. And honestly, it's typically a hard-fought game, fighting for the boot trophy. Uh, and, and so you, you have that. I actually look at all the elements, 11 o'clock game, the temperatures, uh, the letdown from Alabama. I looked at it being a close game like that as well. I actually said that we would win by two points. And uh, at matter of fact, last week I was right with the Bama game. I picked that we would win by one point, and we did. So we're still close. I was a little disappointed offensively. Like, like I said a minute ago, I didn't get to watch because it was coaching ball. Uh, and thankfully I didn't get to because that would have been frustrating to watch offense regress back to the beginning of the season where everybody was questioning what was going on. It looked like uh, Arkansas's defense really had our offense figured out, quarterback included with that. Uh, and, and it really looked like it just shut them down. I will blame a lot of that myself on play calling and on the offensive coordinator. It seemed like the offensive coordinator was still partying off of that win that upset over Alabama as well, too. So it just did not – it looked like it did at the beginning of the season. It didn't look like where we've grown as a team offensively. So that's, that's a little disheartening. Uh, let me say this part before I talk about the defensive uh, – the, def- the how the defense played. Uh, I think, unfortunately, if K.J. Jefferson, the starting quarterback for Arkansas, is in that game, LSU loses that game. And uh, I think because he's a much better quarterback than the two quarterbacks that they had in the game. And uh, now, if you have a her- heroic situation with Harold Perkins like you did, maybe still the same outcome, but it really took that heroic outcome output from Harold Perkins to be able to pull off a game. You're talking about eight solo to eight tackles, six solo altogether, a pass defended, four sacks, uh, and two forced fumbles. That is unreal. You needed a Superman uh, type play uh, for a whole game from a true freshman that was there for you. You needed that, or if he wasn't there, you'd probably lose that game as well. You also look at it how tough it was because this how, how great this kid is. He may end up being the greatest defensive player to ever play at LSU. Could be. I may be speaking a little bit early, but when you look at it, so, so much raw talent and the kid played with a flu yesterday. To do all of that, have his best game so far, playing with a flu. That's huge, man. So that was huge by him, and we much need it. And so, you know, when, when, when we're coaching baseball, we always tell them, tell the kids if you know if somebody's not up to their game on that day they're having an off day uh then you know somebody else has to pick you up and so the rest of the team picked up the offense especially harold perkins and so that was huge as much needed uh really arkansas only had really two offensive plays and it was on one drive where they got their touchdown it's like a 40 something yard pass and another 40 something yard pass and uh for their touchdown and so overall the defense played great out even without Perkins there, you know, he, he wasn't on the field 100% of the time. Uh, he, he's, he, you know, there's plays when he's off the field. And you can always tell when he's not on the field. So all in all, that is a win. I will say this. We have to play better the rest of the season. Number one, you can't overlook a UAB team. You can never overlook and have another down game against an opponent that wants to give you their absolute best. And then the last game is, uh, of the regular season against uh, Texas ATM, you cannot, and yes, I said it like that on purpose, you cannot play down to them. You must house them because they are an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, they are trying to look to, to be able to buy out 
the $86 million guaranteed of Jimbo Fisher's contract. That Trust me, it's, the booster's already trying to figure out how they can come up with that money and get him out of there. And I'm so glad, so glad yet again that uh, he is not the LSU coach. I was so upset with people being so upset that he wasn't going to be the LSU coach both times that we tried to pursue him for some stupid reason. And yes, I did say Texas ATM because they had the, the number one overall recruiting class in the history of recruiting since it's been being recorded the way that it is, and they bought them all. And it still didn't help them because of the poor coaching and the less miles way of thinking of not adapting your offense. I mean, if you watch anything with Texas A&M, I didn't go to get off on Texas A&M here, but if you watch any other game, they're playing an Auburn team who has an interim head coach, his old running back, Cadillac Williams, and they lose to them. They're in many ways a dumpster fire as well. And you just absolutely, there's no, I mean, the offensive line cannot block. Quarterback can't throw the ball. The receiver, I mean, there's penalty after penalty. I mean, there's false starts left and right. They're, they're coming. There's delayed game over and over, wasting all their timeouts. It's a dumpster fire, absolute dumpster fire. And it, if I'm an, a Texas ATM fan, I'm embarrassed. And I'm wanting him out of there, too. I'm wanting him to try to figure out. But, hey, also, if it's me, you got to go. You don't want to waste that money anymore, right? Because you got all that money tied up into those players as well. So, moving on to college football. It was not a great week to be a ranked team this week. Let's look at the upsets this week. And I'll start out with the first one, which was Tulane getting upset by UCF. Now, I will say this. Uh, UCF actually got up big on Tulane. This is one of the first times that Tulane had a really you know, tough uh, schedule out there, a game for them to play, and uh, you know they faltered at it. But they didn't stop fighting. They came back at the end, and, and, and they only lost by seven. And I will say this. If any of you have watched SEC football, especially Auburn football, when Gus Malzahn was there, yes, Gus Malzahn is the coach of UCF now, you know that no lead is sacred. No lead is safe. That you can come back on a team that is coached by Gus Malzahn, you have an opportunity no matter how far you're down. LSU's done it many times. Other teams have done it many times because he goes into coast mode. And it goes super conservative once he gets a big lead, which is really weird to me. Tulane still has a lot ahead of them, and so hopefully they can win out the rest of the season. Uh, and honestly, that, that stumble earlier in the season against Southern Miss is not helping them. But they still have... They have, I mean, you're talking about a team that was two two wins last season and turned around the way that they have is, is pretty huge. UCLA, UCLA lost to Arizona. That was huge. That was a huge one. I am going to say this when I'm explaining it in just a minute. I'm going to come back to it and circle back to it. But I'll get to it and you explain, I'll explain to you why it was an upset. Washington upsets Oregon, knocking out Oregon from the, from the college football playoff. That was huge for LSU. Boston College upsets North Carolina State. They were ranked 15th or 16th. Illinois got upset by Purdue. That other side of the Big Ten is an absolute shamble uh, and is another reason why the Big Ten is not as strong as they try to make them. But they are not the second strongest conference this year. They are absolutely not. The Big 12 is. Pac-12 might be close behind them. And Big Ten's way back there because you literally – only have Michigan and Ohio State, and we really don't know who they are because they don't play anybody, right? Let's let's just be honest. Kentucky, Kentucky, what are y'all doing, man? I was high on y'all this season, and I, and I understand. Will Levis is probably falling down the draft boards left and right right now, 
But to get upset by Vandy and give Vandy their first SEC win, what, two, three years? I don't, I don't remember how many it was. 25 games is what it was said, uh, what they said, I, I believe. That That is huge, man. That That's, you know, props to Vandy, but come on, Kentucky. You couldn't have been that way. It should have been Mizzou. Really? Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest right there. The other game that I was going to say that was an upset was TCU and Texas. Now, TCU is the higher-ranked team. But they were but they were they were not favored. Texas was favored. They were playing in Texas. Um, Texas is supposed to be back. I'll, I'll talk about that in just a minute too, right? Because uh, we hear that over and over. TCU is not favored in this game. They weren't supposed to win this game. They were supposed to be, uh, you know, they were supposed to be looked at as the fraud who was up there. Not frogs, fraud. F-R-A-U-D. Frauds for being ranked as high as they were because they keep barely winning games or having to come from behind the win games, etc. And for some reason, like I said, Texas was a favorite in this game. When you go back and look at the, the you know, the point spreads, etc., and everybody was picking Texas to, to beat TCU. Good for TCU getting the quote-unquote upset, even though they are ranked higher, and uh, really shutting that nonsense up about Texas back. Let me, let me say this before I get on the Texas back kick. I tried to watch some of that game between Texas and TCU, and it was supposed to be a lot of offense. You have Ewers, the, the quarterback for uh, Texas, and Dugan, the, the quarterback for TCU, and all of this high-power offense, and you're expecting the Big 12 of old to show up. And Man, that was absolutely pitiful, horrible offense the whole first half of that game. I mean, we're talking about Ewers was like 0 for 8 with a pick. It was like it was so boring, and, and both offenses were the same thing. It was pretty much three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, back and forth. The punters had a lot of time on the field, let me tell you. It was so boring that I went back and watched Auburn and Texas A&M instead, yeah, the two dumpster fire teams. Instead, like two teams that have that are false starting left and right, etc. I watched that game over the game of the day, the one that college game day went to, because that's how bad the offensive input was. And I'm not saying, you know, that when when you had the the game of the century between LSU and Alabama, and LSU wins nine to six, and it's one of the greatest defensive games that you've ever seen, right? A lot of people uh, were like, "Well, that was a boring game." No, that was actually a good game. That's not just because I'm an LSU fan. It was a really good game, and it was really good defense, and offenses were trying to get going, but they couldn't. I mean, a, a whole ton of NFL stars there, right? You have some NFL stars over there at, at Texas and TCU. Uh, a receiver, a running back for sure, probably a quarterback or two that are going to be in the league in uh, corners as well. So you, you have all of that, but when I'm telling you it was nowhere near the same as that type of game, when I'm telling you the star quarterback for Texas, who really, if he doesn't get hurt against Alabama in the first game of the season, they beat Bama. That's how good he was. When I'm saying 0 for 8 with a pick, that's how bad it was. I mean, that doesn't mean you have great defense. That just means nobody can play offense. And the offensive line for TCU was just getting embarrassed. Texas was getting sacks left and right. You can hedge that on good defense. I hedge it on watching that offensive line fold like a paper bag, like they were blocking for Joe Burrow in the NFL. Simple as that. That was an absolute boring game. 
And that should not have been the game of the week, but it ended up being the game of the week. So it is what it is. Honestly, the game of the week probably should have been Bam and Ole Miss, if we're being honest. I know everybody else is sick of the SEC, but that game was much better than Texas and TCU. That game was like watching the Saints play this year. That's how that's how bad it was, honestly. Truthfully, that's how bad that game was. Speaking about the Saints, let's jump on to my last topic tonight. Oh, the Saints, the Saints, the Saints. Let me say this. It is time to blow it up. Absolutely time to blow it up. You need to do a wholesale. And the reason why you need it, let me break it down to why you need to do that first. You have no draft capital. You're salary cap strapped. And it just doesn't look good. You have no hope for the future. You have no hope to build on, no future to build on. Because you've given it all away. Not only have you given it all away, but you keep making the Eagles better. Because anytime you have somebody that's still good on your team, you give them away. Make the Eagles better. Make the Patriots better. Make the, the Bengals better. That's what we do as a Saints franchise. Let me start out saying with this. Jeff Ireland needs to go. He's he is the assistant general manager. Mickey Loomis might end up needing to go, too. Let's, let's be honest, too. But definitely Jeff Ireland. Jeff Ireland was a guy that was general manager over in Miami when the, for the Dolphins and could not get it right, man. Absolutely horrible. As a general manager, is the reason why he's fired. Since he's been here, he's done a couple things right. But ultimately, look at where we're at right now as a Saints franchise, right? And some of the moves that he's made, because Mickey Loomis has kind of given him the keys to the car there, some of the moves that he's made has caused Mickey Loomis to come back in there and save him to save face and to work his magic with, with contracts, whether it's guaranteed money, whether it's getting rid of people right before the contracts come up, whatever it may be kicking the can down the, the road further uh, and somehow making salary cap miracles happen every single year. Uh, don't get me wrong, it was kind of there before, but it's definitely been there since Jeff, since Jeff Allen has been there. He's got to go, honestly. In my mind, he's got to go. Other people who need to go. Let's start with DA. Let's go with the, the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Let me say this. He was kept as the head coach for this team because it was thought of that he would help keep the camaraderie of the team because you have a good nucleus there and they should be able to build off of it and build off of what even last season was and the season before. Uh, we got to see what DA was able to do as a head coach over for the Raiders and it didn't turn out too well and it's looking that way now. Going back to what I just said about he was supposed to be here to keep the camaraderie of the locker room and whatnot. Let me say, let me go ahead and tell you this. He has absolutely lost the locker room. Okay, some of that goes on. Maybe the front office not shipping players away when they should have, and I'll get on some of those players in just a moment. Uh, some of them that are cancers, just absolute cancers. I don't care if other people try to come out and defend them; they're absolute cancers. Uh, and I, and I'll break some of that down in just a minute as well. But man, he he's he's it's it's not looking too good for him as a head coach. I want to say his biggest mistake. First, firstly, his first biggest mistake as a head coach was keeping Pete Carmichael as offensive coordinator. And that's the other guy for me that absolutely has to go. Uh, even if you keep DA, Pete Carmichael has to go because you have to get another offensive coordinator in here. You got to get him in here quick. We got a small sample size of him when Sean Payton was suspended. Sean Payton was injured, getting surgery on his broken leg, etc. And it was never good, man. You had remnants 
of parts and pieces of what he learned from Sean Payton, but he could never piece it together, never could really get it together. And when you watch the offensive input, output, sorry, of this team this year, you have a couple of times where it looks like Sean Payton is there, and the rest of the time it's like, what is going on? Regardless of who the quarterback is, regardless who the running back is, receivers, etc. When you look at it, Taysom Hill, and I'm not, I'm not vying for Taysom be the quarterback, etc. But what I'm saying is, when you look at it, Taysom Hill had four touches today, and again in a game against Pittsburgh, a team in Pittsburgh that has three wins as well. They are way, way down this year. They're going to have their first losing season since Mike Tomlin's been there. They are in many ways in rebuild mode, right? And they could be losing Mike Tomlin his job in a couple of years if they keep going this route, right? Because Big Ben's not there. But no offensive output, man. There's no creativity. And then you're not using your stars. You're not using your playmakers. Well, go back and watch it, man. Look how many touches uh, your, your, your playmakers have. They just It's not there, man. They have to be fed the ball. I don't know why we try to be so cute or and try to mix in everybody or, or if we're trying to get everybody happy. Uh, you know, you get to play, you get to play, play the Oprah version of it here. I, I don't know what's going on, but other than Pete Carmichael is not an offensive coordinator on his own. He's an assistant offensive coordinator at best. Who knows? He might be a good offensive coordinator in college, but he's definitely not in the NFL. Right. So let's let's keep going on some of this blow up that we need to, to do for this team. This one is going to hurt people a little bit. But if you paid attention and you watched, you can understand and you probably are going to agree with it. That is Marshawn Lattimore. Yes. Marshawn Lattimore shut down cornerback star for the Saints. Right. Trade him. You need to trade him. You need to trade him now. You have no draft capital. You have no first-round draft picks. Right now, Saints front office and Saints fans are hoping that Sean Payton goes to another team this next year with the opportunity to hopefully get a first-round draft pick because you gave it a while. Now, here's the thing, and I'm going to pick on the Saints for a second, and I'll get back on on uh, Marshawn Lattimore and reason why. Here's the thing. I have no faith right now in this front office that if we got a first-round draft pick for Sean Payton that we wouldn't turn around and give it away for nonsense or draft somebody that they could get later in the draft or undrafted free agents that they're wasting the first round draft pick. I'll get into that in just a moment too. But Marshawn Lattimore, the reason why I say that is because you have two corners, two young corners that are not in contract years. One is a rookie. One is two years out uh, uh, is is a sophomore and, uh, and Paulson Adebo and Alante Taylor. These guys are good. They're really good. You, you really haven't missed a beat with Marshawn Lattimore being out and injured. That's right, he's been out and injured. Nobody's really missed a beat. That hadn't been your problem. Your cornerback situation hasn't been your problem. So on that note, trading away Marshawn Lattimore, you can probably get a second or first round pick. And you may say that's crazy, but nope, not anymore. When you look at all these crazy trades this past year with all the first rounds, I know he's not a quarterback, he's a cornerback. But he is a playmaker, a star on the team. He's a he's an all pro, he's a pro bowler. So you have that opportunity to get some. You just need to find somebody as dumb as the Denver Broncos to give you a lot of draft picks for him, or somebody as dumb as the Cleveland Browns to give you a lot of draft picks for him, or somebody as dumb as the New Orleans Saints to give you a lot of draft picks for him, right? And that contract will be dumped off. That's more off the salary cap. 
So I think now, even if you were upset with me saying trade Marshawn Lattimore, you're kind of a little bit on the agreement side with me and understanding more. It gives you draft picks. It gives you salary cap room. And also, you have two players that are there now, younger players that don't have big contracts, that are playing great ball because they want a position on this on this team. Moving on to two other players. Now, I think Davenport may be in a contract year, so you may just need to let him hit free agency after this year. Unless you, I don't know if the, yeah, the trade deadline was over last week. So you missed your opportunity to trade him. He's, he's been a bust after all that you gave up to get him in the first round because some other people made you look like a donkey and uh, trade up to get him, which you absolutely shouldn't. From a guy from, from a small, small college like that, extremely raw, I, I'm, I'll still never get over that. Um, so <laughs> there's a guy that you need to absolutely let go because you're not going to put money on him when, when you let go of Trey Hendrickson, who's now playing for the Bengals and his – one of the top five defensive ends in the leagues, in the league, and um, you know, you're not going to pay Davenport when you had an opportunity to pay Hendrickson, who is much better, much better defensive end. And that brings me to Peyton Turner. This is another guy. This is the one I was talking about. Another guy wasting a high draft pick on. You could have got this guy. Peyton Turner is one that was. I, I, you probably heard me say it before. He was on. Nobody's draft boards. None. Nairn. Nada. Okay? This is not a guy that somebody was going to go reach on, except for the Saints. Most likely could have got this guy as an undrafted free agent at the absolute best in the fifth round. Absolute best, you pick him up in the fifth round. You wasted a first-round draft pick on him. He hasn't played much. The amount of time that he's played, he's only had one good game. And he's just been, it's not, it was a dumb move. Absolutely dumb move. And that was another one of those things. You got to trade this guy because he's a roster spot with a salary and he's not doing anything. Your best defensive end cannot be Cameron Jordan because of his age. Yes, he is the best defensive end on the team. But look how old he is. He's been in the league forever. The same year uh, Mark Ingram got drafted by the Saints was the same year that we drafted Cameron Jordan. That's old, man. And for him to be able to put the the what he's in this last year and even this year, that's tremendous. And he shouldn't be your number one defensive end when you've wasted first round draft picks on late round defensive ends. Get rid of these guys, get them off your team, right? Two more, and then I'm going to finish the show because I'm I'm not excited. I'm not happy with the Saints. Watching them is not fun. It's absolutely not fun. You don't even want to finish a game. You just want to turn it off. doesn't matter who they're playing. You just want to turn the game off. You don't want to watch it anymore. And you hate to do that as a Saints fan because you don't want to be a fan weather, a fair weather fan, a bandwagon fan. You want to be somebody who wants to be a fan all the time. But, man, it's so hard to watch it. So hard, so boring, so disappointing to watch. Right? And I'm not the only one. That, that thinks like that. I know I'm not. I know plenty of you agree with me on that. It's so hard to watch, man. It's like picking a scab every time you watch them on the field. Two more players. Y'all have heard me talk about these plenty of times. Okay. Andrews Pete. Absolutely. You have to find somebody stupid enough to take his contract, the stupid contract that we gave him. I don't care if you get a bag of chips for him. I don't care if you get a seventh round conditional compensatory pick. 
trade that dude now, right? Trade him now. When I say now, it's too late this year, next year. If he's if it's not a contract year, I hadn't looked at it. Go ahead and trade him. Michael Thomas has one more year. That's my last guy that I'm going to talk about, right? You have to get rid of this guy. You absolutely have to get rid of him. I think I hit on it last week or the week before. I don't remember what it was when he decided he was going to shut it down with his air quotes uh, injury. IR done for the year. They knew he only had to play three games this year to get his contract, this guaranteed part of the uh, contract, guaranteed money part of the contract. He's an absolute cancer to the locker room. I know a lot of the guys there are trying to save face and come out and defend him, etc. But this is a guy that, and I know Chauncey uh, Gardner-Johnson is a guy who talks trash and gets people, uh, like whether it's for Chicago, etc., to to get in their head. That's what you're supposed to do as a DB. I'm sorry. Uh, that's one of the things that you're supposed to do as a DB is get in their heads in the pros. Uh, but to have Michael Thomas go after you says a lot about Michael Thomas. Okay. Also, there's a lot of other stuff that says a lot about Michael Thomas. And uh, y'all have heard my feelings on him plenty of times. I think he's a fake and a fraud. I think he owes Saints, Saints fans all of that money that he's stolen for not playing. And he needs to go on ahead and ship himself off and request a trade, which he's not going to because he's going to play his last year of his contract, which I think is next year. And he's only going to play the amount of games he's going to give him his guaranteed money. Watch it. Mark my words. It is what it is. Unless the Saints wise up, trade him, get a pick or two for him, or what you can get for him, and dump that enormous contract that's doing absolutely nothing because he refuses to play. So, on that, sorry that I brought you down at the end of it for the Saints. Probably should have started with that. But, just to bring you back up for a second... Before I end the show this week, just remember, LSU is the SEC West champs and has a, is going to Atlanta to play for the SEC championship. And look, if some miracle happens, they get there, they beat Georgia, they're in the talks for the college football playoff. They're already in the talks for it, which is kind of outrageous. So keep that in mind. Also, the hometown teams are the state teams. The little brother, Tulane, still has a lot to look forward to. It's very impressive, very proud of too. So that is Sports Sunday. Thank you for joining me again. This is your favorite podcaster, Mark Cotrera, and this is your favorite podcast, Make It A Cut. See y'all next time.